Uh, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that's where we'll start out tonight. Um, I love that song we just sang. <clears throat> um, every time we sing that song, I go back to the day my dad passed. And I can remember I was still living at home. I wasn't married yet. We were engaged, but we weren't married. So I was still living at home with mom. And she hollered for me early in the morning to come upstairs. And she was giving dad CPR. And I called the, our neighbor over that was a nurse and the ambulance. And um, they took him over to the hospital. And I went, took, drove my mom over there. And, um, you know, just when you're in one of those moments, it's just like everything's going at mass speed and you don't really think about it. But then there's always a moment where it's like the time just slows. And um, they told my mom and me that, that my dad passed. And <clears throat> my dad, he wore false teeth. And he didn't like to go nowhere without his false teeth. And um, mom, with everything that's going on, you think of the, the, the silliest things in moments like that, don't you? But mom says, we need to get your dad's teeth for him so the nurse can put them in before we say final goodbyes. I said, well, I, I'll do that. So I'm riding over to the house. It's not far from the hospital from where my mom lives. And... Up to that moment, I was, it was just panic, chaos, just, just a lot going on. And then God brought that song to me. And I was singing on the way home and on the way back to the hospital. What a day that will be. And I was thinking that how my mom had lost her sweetheart. And a lot of y'all faced that. I don't know what that feels like, but a lot of y'all went through that. And... I was thinking about the sadness for me and my, my siblings and, and, um, and my uncles and aunts and all them. But then the Lord gave me a peace. What was the toughest day of our lives was the best day of my dad's life. While we were down here sorrowing, he was, what a day that will be. He saw Jesus. And uh, I thought, well, how, I can't be sad on my dad's best day it's like someone's birthday they have a birthday and you, you don't want to be the one at the birthday party that's got the sour attitude and ruined the day for everybody so I just started smiling thinking well this is my dad's best day I, I mean he's enjoying it and so but so every time we sing that song it just uh, it just it brings me back to that moment but it seemed like what a two-minute drive seemed like two hours to get home and back to the hospital and I just singing that song, and uh, probably people at the red lights thought, what in the world is this guy doing? But anyway, um, thank y'all for praying for my mom. I went over there the Saturday before last on my way home from work to check on her. She's, she's, she's got a disc or some kind of back problem, and she's been in a lot of pain and can't hardly get out of the bed. And, and uh, so I go to check on her, and I go in the house, and I said, Mom... It's Robert, I'm here. And I just hear crying back in her bedroom. So I rushed back there and I said, what's wrong? And she's been throwing up all over the place. And she says, um, she goes, I need to go to the hospital. I said, let's go. Of course, you know, it's one of them things. She, I could tell she was running a fever. And, um, and uh, she... Um, when they got to the hospital, her temperature was 100, over 104. And um, so I thought, the first thing I thought was, well, maybe she has COVID. I don't know. And they didn't let me go back into the emergency room, so I just rode back over to her house, and I thought, well, I'll just hang out here until we find out what's going on. And the nurse called me and said that she has a UTI infection. And it was so bad, her blood was infected so bad that uh, they're going to have to keep her overnight, and overnight turned into a week. And what happened was her kidneys were so bad, and she was in bad shape, but she attributed it to her disc pain and just thought that was getting worse and worse. And uh, 
And so I went to see her right before church. I rode over to her house to see her. And she said, this was the, today was the best day she's had in a month. And so I appreciate y'all praying for her. But, you know, she's like, let's go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, let's go. And now make sure that we cut the light off in the bathroom. I said, I got it, Mom. Let's get to the hospital. <laughs> now, um, when you get back, I, I need you to come back and, and check my... I said, oh, I got it, Mom. Mom, let's get to the hospital. You know, but, uh, you know, you probably deal with that with family, or, or they deal with you. You're the one that does that. I don't know, but that sounds like a Becky Edmonds person. <laughs> check this out. Check that out. Let's just go. We got to get to the hospital. <laughs> I don't know. I just had to pick on her. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. <clears throat> um, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the singing we've had already. We thank you for the prayer requests that we've had already, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us now as we look into your word. Be with our pastor, Lord. I pray that you'd give him rest and relaxation. And we just thank you, God, for loving us and being so good to us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So, we're going to look at being a good steward this evening. Now, there's a lot of things that uh, this can relate to. Um, if you're a parent, God has given you your children. They're not your, you know, Isaac and Haven's not my kids. They're God's kids. He's given them to me. And so, am I faithful in being a good steward to them? My wife, am I faithful in being a good husband? You know, whatever it is, maybe whatever ministry you have, am I faithful in junior church to be a good steward of what God's given me. And sadly, we live in a day and a time where people don't want to take any personal responsibility. And, um, and so, the, you, you read the verse like this to someone today that it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful, and they don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, God's given you your job. Are you faithful at that? Are you a good steward at your job? Or do you just cut the corners when the bosses aren't looking? And so, there's a lot of categories and sections in, in, our, in our lives that this could cover. And tonight, I've had um, so many people come to me about this financial peace class we're going to be holding, just asking questions about it. More, probably more buzz about it this time around than ever, and some of it might be because of COVID and we haven't been able to have it, so a lot of people that's one, would want to take it. It's built up, but I get a lot of questions like, what is it about, and what am I getting into? Is this a cult? I haven't had that question, but I bet people think that, um, and so I thought tonight I would take a second and just look, and, and, and I know I gave a little brief uh, thing on this one Sunday morning, but just a little more in depth to answer questions, because cause if someone asks a question... I've always found out three or four more people have the same question, right? And they just don't ask it. So I'm just going to, uh, we're going to take a look at a few things. And in between the lesson, I'll give some, uh, a little bit about the class. And, uh, and so, so we're, so we're going to talk about being a good steward of, of, our, of our financial life. Now, your financial life is more than just a checking account. Your financial life, it, 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 it has to do with insurances, it has to do with housing, it has to do with your work, your income, you know, saving, when you buy something. It's a whole, it's a whole lot more than just, uh, well, there's my paycheck and here's my bills. Financial peace, the classes, it, it's nine weeks, so it's more than just that. Um, and so, just think about in your life, in, in, in a year's time in your life, how much money probably flows in and out of your life, how much is your vehicles worth how much is your house worth everything a total how much is it worth and just think of that number that number it, it could be you know everybody's is different and then think of it this way if you were if, if if you got to hire someone to manage all that for you and take care of all your bills and take care of, of paying everything and and take care of your taxes and, and you just paid one person and they did that if they so they'd be a steward or a manager 
That's what that word means. They would be a manager over your financial affairs. Now, let me ask you this. If they manage that the way you manage it, would you keep paying them or would you fire them? Think about that. You know, you would expect, if I'm going to pay someone to take care of this for me, you would expect for them to do a good job or you would say, hey, it ain't working out, buddy. I'm paying you, I'm paying you and you're not doing a good job. You're not managing this very well. You're not being a good steward of this. And so think about that. And if they handled it the way that you do, would you fire them? And if your answer would be, well, yeah, I wouldn't put up with some of that, then this, this is the course for you. Um, like I said, a lot of people wonder about what this class is about. It's about returning to God's way of handling money. Um, it, it, just, it, it, it goes through the Bible. It, it's a step-by-step game plan that goes through the Bible. Um, because when you think about your personal finances, it's a lot to undertake. You, you can't just uh, you sit down in five minutes and say, okay, this, this I got it. It's, it's a lifetime thing. And it's like they say, uh, Dave Ramsey says in the video all the time, if an elephant walked in the room and someone said, how are you going to eat an elephant? You're going to have to do it one bite at a time. Because it's overwhelming. It's so big. Well, our financial lives, are, there, sometimes it's overwhelming to us. Some, sometimes it's stressful. Sometimes it's the most stressful thing we deal with, really. And so it's overwhelming and so this is a step-by-step game plan for you. And you say, well, what's your motivation? Well, you've got to find out a why. Why do you want to be able to handle your personal finances in a better way? You have to, you have to dig down and say, why do I want to do this? And it's different for everybody. For me, it was my children. That was my why. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And when I looked at that verse and I thought about that verse, I realized, well, I wasn't doing a good job at that. Was, Isaac and Haven wouldn't have had much. And I don't even have grandkids yet, but they, it was, they, they weren't even, I didn't even have, I wasn't even doing, so, you know, I, I had to look at the Word of God, just like we do in all aspects of our lives, and just say, well, if the Word of God is truth, and we all believe that, we live our lives according to the Word of God. And if we believe that it's the truth, and we read something that's truth, then we've got to redo our thinking around it. We can't rework the Word around us. And here's how I looked at that verse. A good man. So when I read the Bible, I'm not as spiritual as, and smart as some of the uh, other folks I'll be honest with you if, you, if you are looking for an adult Sunday school class, I would choose mine last. Because Brother Wright and Brother Randall and Brother Burnham, um, you'll learn more from them. You might laugh more in my class because I'm pretty, you know, I get, they laugh at me a lot up there, but that's all right. I, but, um, so, um, what am I talking about here? All right. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You... Um, so when I read the Bible and I study something, it says a good man leaveth inheritance to his children's children. And when I read that, I thought, okay, well, I'm not in a shape to do that. So what's the opposite of good would be bad. So am I a bad man? And I questioned, and I, I really struggled with that. Am I a bad man? Because, I mean, you know, I don't want to be all prideful and stuff, but I'm trying to raise my kids to church, to come to church and to serve. And, so, and I'm sitting there thinking, You're do, I'm doing all this, but am I a bad man? And so that was my number one reason why. Another reason why was to be more generous. You know, I've, I've found some of the funnest things you can do with money is actually give it. And, um, and so... It's hard to give. It was hard for me to give um, if I was just, if I couldn't look past Friday. If I couldn't just, you know, I just got to get to this next paycheck because things are building up around here. And, I, you know, missionary would come through here and have a need. And I, I remember there was a missionary that came through one time and um, they needed 
X amount of dollars, and they broke it down and said, well, if we, each person, if we could get this, I don't remember the number, it might have been $100, and we could get 1,000 people to give 100 or whatever it was, we could build this project or do this thing. And I thought, man, I'd like to do five of those, but I can't. I can't even, I can't even get to Friday. And, and so that was another big why. Um, and, and I've learned over time that if I'm focused on what's going on in my life and trying to get to Friday, I can't look up and see what the world's going on, what, what's going on in the world and who else needs help because I'm, I'm, my focus is down. And so that was my second thing. What would happen if you didn't have any debt? If you didn't have a credit card debt or if you didn't have a car loan, what would happen? Sometimes we work jobs that we don't like, but we have to because we have all this that we have to pay. What would, it, what would happen if the people of God started handling money God's way? What would happen? What would happen to the kingdom of God? I think that, if, I think that we could put the government out of business. We wouldn't need disability, y'all. The church, if, if, we, if, we, if, if we, and when I say we, I mean the church as a whole, all across the world, but especially in America, because God's really blessed America, we could take care of the homeless. We could take care of the widows. We could take care of these people. We, we, we would just put the government out. They, they, we wouldn't have no need for them. And um, what would happen, though? What would happen to the kingdom of God if God's people were handling money? Now, let me give you a few statistics. I'm a big statistics person. I'm a big math person. And if the statistics say that this is your best outcome, a lot of times I go that route. Like if I was faced with a procedure and the doctor said, well, we can do this, it's a 90% success rate. We can do this, it's 50. And we can do this, it's 3. I'm going to take the 90. I don't care if the, if the best doctor in the world performs the 3% and the not-so-great doctors perform the 90%. I'm going with the 90% outcome. And so, so, so here's some statistics. 15% of everything that Jesus spoke was related to money. Think about that. That's, that's quite a high number. Does anybody in here know how many parables Jesus spoke? That brother Wright knows. But he don't want to embarrass me, does he? I believe it was 38. I tried to research it. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But 16 out of the 38 were dealt with the topic of money. Almost half. Um... Proverbs 21 and verse 20 says, it talks about how a wise man saves and a foolish man spends it all. So let me stop there just for a second and talk about this. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Finances, whether you're good with it or bad with it, is not a salvation issue. Just because Jesus spoke a lot about it, people have, there's so many different looks on this and people look at you know, you got to give to go to heaven. That's not true. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It doesn't say by grace are you saved through the offering plate. So however you handle that, it's not a salvation issue. It's, when, 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 when you read in Proverbs and you read different things, it's, it really just talks about you're not a good steward, like, like uh, Jesus says, or, or it's foolish. But, it, but it's not a salvation issue. And it, think back to your grandparents. Now, some of you younger ones in here, your grandparents are in the room, so maybe think about your great-great-grandparents, okay? Some of y'all teenagers are so young that you're like, well, my grandparents, yeah. But I'm talking about my grandparents, or you, people my age or older. And look at how they looked at finances. This thing about debt is relatively new in America. It's not something that, you know, most of our grandparents would not even touch it. They wouldn't even, there wasn't an option. They just figured out another way to do whatever they needed to do. It wasn't an option. And then the next generation did it, took it on a little bit. And, um, and, you know, maybe bought a house or maybe something else. But now you look at today's time. We buy everything on debt, y'all. I, I, 
If you take this class at some point, I'll show you a picture of a business that's in town. I won't say it on, I don't want to hurt their feelings on Facebook, but I will if you're in the class. But we're live tonight, so I'm not going to do it. But they have up there on their window, if you've been in the class, you've seen me show it. We will take out a loan for you to buy a car, a house. But then it goes down and it says, a vacation. I mean, we take out money to buy our dog food. It, 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 it's, just, it's just, you know, what, like the pastor always says, what one generation does in moderate, the other generation does in excess. And when it comes to debt, we've done it in excess in America. Here's, here's some more statistics. I gave these Sunday, but I'll give them again. One trillion, there's, um, in, in, in loans, in student loans, there's over $1 trillion in student loans. In vehicle loans, there's over $1 trillion in vehicle loans. In credit card loans, there's over $1 trillion in credit card loans. Those are the top three. And then there's others. But a trillion, just in case you were like, well, that's a big number. That is like a thousand millions. I believe that's right. That's a lot. Or no, it's a thousand billions. It's a thousand billions. It's a thousand. It's a million millions or something like that. It's crazy. It's a lot. Trillion. We think about our national debt and we think that we're these tri- and we think these guys in Washington, they don't know what they're doing. But this ain't Washington. This is America. Student loans, car loans, credit cards, over a trillion dollars. We've got a whole generation that we're teaching, that's your first option to go get debt. That's your first option. You need to open a credit card and get things started. That's the first thing we teach kids when they become an adult. I mean, it's, it's such an important subject that Mr. Davies has decided to bring on some of the curriculum, and they've been teaching it here at GCA to the high schools. Because we, you know, debt is the most marketed tool out there. There's more money that goes in to debt than there is anything else. And, um, and math is math. Math works regardless of the situation. Math doesn't change just because you feel bad one day or you feel good one day. And, and in the class and in one of the videos, they give an example. Now, some of you are old enough to know that when you used to go to the bank and put money and open you a savings account, they would actually give you a little money back for that, right? I mean, I remember when I opened my first savings account, and I looked at that thing, and I got like 4% back. I thought, that's pretty good. I just took my $100 down there from mowing, and I, I made 4 bucks, and I didn't have to get out in the heat and mow. And, uh, of course, nowadays, they don't even give you nothing. But, um, but you do that, but then you turn around, and you go down there, and you say, hey, I need to borrow your money, or really, it's your, it's your own money back. And they say, oh, that's no problem. We'll give it back to you for 10% or 18 or whatever credit card rates are right now. And if you're switching 4%, which it ain't 4 now, but if you're switching 4 for, for 10, that math is backwards. You're going backwards. And uh, they show a thing on the video. They have, a, they have a bar graph, and it's like 4%, the bank pays you. 18%, you pay the bank. And it's one of them bar graphs. And then the video, the pictures turn around, and then it's a little bitty house and a skyscraper. And you wonder why these banks have these big buildings and we live in these small, tiny houses, because we're trading with them at the wrong rate. And so a trillion dollars is a lot, y'all. Now, I try not to, to teach on this lesson much, except when we're doing financial peace, because I'm so passionate about it, I get called up. And, um, but I'll tell you this, this is my, this is a little bit of our story and we share this in the class, but, and excuse me parents for saying this word, but when it comes to money, I've done, I've done about all the stupidest things you could do. I've done some crazy things. I, I borrowed money to go on vacation. I ran up a credit card to go on vacation. I borrowed against my own house to buy a vehicle. I've done some crazy, crazy things. I borrowed from my 401k to pay for stuff. Well, you say, well, they, yeah, but you pay yourself back interest. Yeah, it was 4%. I unplugged money that was making like 10% to make 4 And 
And so I've done a lot of crazy things. And I bought into all the lies that are out there. And it really, because debt is so driven in our society, you think about it. You think about these big credit card companies. These, these high-dollar celebrities, the big money they pay to, um, to get your attention. Our company used to have this thing, and they stopped doing it because it was really expensive. But our company had this thing. If you were on uh, Oakwood Homes' website and you lo- were looking at a house, and you, um, you put in your information, it used to be we would get it, we would contact you three or four days later or whatever. Well, they, they paid for this program, and it was millions of dollars, and they canceled it. But, like, if you were online and, and you talk, I had this happen, the guy typed in, it would ring my office. And it would say, please hold, you have so-and-so looking at houses. And you're talking about creepy. Um, I, 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 felt, it, I felt bad. I, the pick up, I say, hey, I see you're online looking at some of our houses. The people are like, well, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, they, they kind of call us. And, you know, and I had one guy tell me one time, I can't take personal calls. I'm at work. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you're on the website at work right now wasting time. But anyway, <laughs> the other day, when I say the other day, it was about a year ago, but we were sitting at home, and I was like, let's go get some ice cream. I was like, okay, what kind of ice cream do you want? Well, we like the mint chocolate at our house, the green one. Not the, if it ain't green, it ain't mint, right? And so I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And I was like, let's run over to the store and get it. And... Tara's scrolling through Facebook, and an ad pops up. It's mint chocolate ice cream. I don't know if you know this or not, but they, your phones are listening. And when you see something pop up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, we were just talking about that. Well, that wasn't a coincidence. They paid millions of dollars to get that. And so I believed all the lies. I bought into them all. You know, well, you're always going to have a car loan. I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. Um, you, you, got, you, you got to have the reward points. You can do so much with those re- re- reward points. I bought into that. You got to uh, have a credit card. It's safer than a debit, debit card. I, I, for, for years, I thought, yeah, that's the way to go. Did you know that on the bottom of your debit card where it says MasterCard, which that's the appropriate name, right? MasterCard. But anyway... You have the same protection that you have for a master credit card as you do a master debit. If Michelle was here tonight, you could ask her. My account's been hacked two or three times. I didn't lose a dime. It was all covered. MasterCard covered the charges, and I, got my, I didn't lose no money. And so, but I bought into that lie. I bought into the lie. You've got to have a credit score, right? You've got to have a credit score. You can't, I, I bought into all that, y'all. So I'm not up here saying something. I was the sucker of them all. Now, here's some stats for the classes that we've taught. We've done four classes, and we've taught 28 families, and, or I'll say households, because some of them were single. We've, done, we've taught 28 households. So, they, they get, they, I don't know the number, I don't know whose is whose, we just get the total, and if you're in the class, you know, you turn it in. We don't know who turned in what. But non-mortgage debt, so everything but your mortgage, those 28 families, had $655,304 in debt. That could be credit card, student loan, car, jewelry, whatever. After nine weeks, so that we do the nine-week class, so you don't even get to the learning how to cover your debt in the first few weeks, but after nine weeks, those families paid off $74,129 in nine weeks. That's a big chunk into taking something out. Um, we've had four families. We'll allow a family to come back once they've paid off their debt to do a debt-free scream. That they do that on, on Dave Ramsey's radio show. And so we let them come to whatever class we're doing, and they'll get up and people ask questions. Well, how'd you do it? And they, and they you know, so it's a good evening. And we've had four families that, that, that's done that. We've even had some families that's paid their, their mortgages off. And so here's some of the high points. Number one, giving. Turn to Malachi. And these are just going to be a few of the highlights of what you learn. But turn to Malachi, chapter number 3, and verse number 8. This is a very familiar verse. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have ye robbed thee? 
in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room to receive it. And I, I've heard that preached for you. I've heard message after message after message after message after message preached on those, those three or four verses. But it wasn't until I was going through this class that I realized what verse 11 says. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. What God's saying here is he's going to rebuke the devourer. We know who that is. When you make bad decisions and, and things are tight around your house, it seems like, you know, in the world we say, well, there, there, there's bad karma or, or uh, Murphy's Laws kicked in. And it seems like things just get worse and pile on and, you know, my car's broke down, my water heater went out, and my dishwasher don't work. And it just feels like it's a snowball of just bad, 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 bad. But I only got one person as my witness, and it's Brandon Nichols, and he's not here tonight, but you can call him up and ask him. Tara was pulling out of the driveway, and we had went through this class, and he was actually in the class taking it. So we had been out of it for a few years. And, um, and she calls and says, all the gas just poured out on the ground. She goes, I got out and I smelled something and the gas needle and it's all on the, out here on the road. And I thought, my goodness, what in the world could that be? That sounds pretty, I'm not a car guy. You know, I, a car, electronics, any of that, it's not me. But I knew that was bad. That's not supposed to happen. And, um, and so I thought, well, I'll call Brandon and see if he'll come over because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to have to spend five, $600 to have this thing towed. Who knows what it's going to cost? And no joke, he came over to, my, over to my house, got up under it. He was under the car, and the little clip that put the fuel line in had broken. The fuel line had flew out. He said, we can go down here to Advance Autos for $1.59 and fix that. I was like, well, that's good news. At that time, we're sitting there talking and he's, we're talking about this class, this rollback comes by, goes around behind my house to the apartments behind me, picks up a car, and hauls it off. And Brandon said, I think that the, um, the Lord rebuked the devourer for you. He come to visit you, you had a plan, so he had to go to the neighbor." And I tell you, I'll never forget, he, another time Brandon told me, I believe it was for Mr. Mabe, he was going to get a battery for something, and uh, Brandon, had got, Brandon was full on, I'm going to pay cash. I, I mean, he, if you would have been in the class when he cut his cards up, it was hilarious. And he walked in, and the guy's like, I don't know the number, I'm just saying, but the, the guy says, that's $150. And Brandon says, well, I only got 138 And the guy goes, well, this costs more than that. And he goes... Well, I'll have to go home. I don't know what to do. He said, I tell you what, I'll let you have it for that. And, he, and, and so you talk, if you ever talk to him, he'll, he'll tell you those stories. But, um, but that's what happens um, if we're given. God protects his people, y'all. He protects. If we're faithful stewards and, and we're faithful in giving, God will protect us. All right, number two, uh, something else you'll cover is a budget. It's funny, uh, in that class, one of the things that, that Dave says is when he's going over a budget with someone, the person in the class comes to him and says, when I get to the end of the month, I just don't have enough left to give. I don't have enough left to give. I, I just, I, I'm trying. I want to give. I don't have enough to give. And uh, he says, well, you got your budget uh, upside down. He flips it over. He says, do your giving first, then figure the rest of it out. It's pretty funny when you see it. But anyway, Luke chapter number 14. I'm going to hurry along. We're about done here. Luke chapter number 14. Verse number 28. One more, one more chapter over here. 
For which of you intend to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after ye have laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold, beheld, all that beheld, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. I mean, it's biblical, y'all, to sit down and look at your finances and say, you know, my tower's this month, and I got to buy this much in groceries and this much in gas, and my electric bill's this much, and I got, you know, go down through your list and sit down and figure it out. You know what you're going to make that month, and sit down and budget it and count the cost so you don't look like the fool that started to build and then couldn't finish. It's biblical to budget. Number three, you need to realize that your income is your number one tool to getting out of debt, buying something, investing, whatever it is, wherever you're at in life. It's your number one tool. We live in a time where people fall for everything. Now, if you've been a part of this before, I don't know it, so I'm not pointing at you, but these get-rich-quick scams, it... Let me read you some Bible verses. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 13, verse number 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be, shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. I don't care how good it sounds. If you think you can make it, strike it rich overnight, stay away from that. I've known too many people, really good friends of mine and really good fam close family members of mine that said this, they tried to get me to buy into this stuff and I was just always taught that if it's too good to be true, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably not true. And these get rich overnight things, they, it, it just don't happen, y'all. But, but there's this story that all I can tell you is what the Word of God just said. The Word of God said that it doesn't happen that way. And so you just can't fall for that. You can't say, well, I, I'll make it big. I'll do the Just use your income and take care of things. You've got to realize that. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent make rich. Time and time again, the Bible tells us that we need to work to provide for ourselves. We live in a time when people just don't want to work, y'all. And they wonder why they live the life they live. They wonder why they're so far buried and why the little man can't get ahead. It's because they don't want to do things God's way. Number four, you got to learn to control yourself. This was the biggest one that I had problem with. 1 Timothy 6, 6 talks about being content. And... I, I, I never was content. I always wanted the next thing. I always wanted to buy this. I didn't care if I had the money for it or not. I was going to get it. And when I learned how to control the man in the mirror, that's when I got a hold of this thing. And, but, 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 but we live in a day and time where we want to keep up with the Joneses. You ever notice you go to a neighborhood and you see someone's put on a brand new metal roof? It's not long till you see all the houses have the new metal roof. You think every single's roof in that neighborhood went bad at the exact same time? No. They didn't all just, today's the day that every roof on the street goes bad. What it is is, well, they got a new roof. I'm going to get me a new roof. Well, they just got their, pay, their driveway paved. I'm going to get mine. I can, get, I, I can do it if they can do it. And we got to learn to be content with what we have. Maybe my neighbor gets a new roof. Well, I'm content with the roof I have. And when I need one, I'll get one. But I'm not going to get one because my neighbor got one. I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. It's, it's, um, it's just, you know, people justify anything to just go into debt. Well, my tire went bad, so i got to go get a new car. Or you could just go get some tires. But we we, we, we got to learn to control ourselves. We're, we're so out of control that... We want to do this and we want to do this. 
you know, if you've got kids or grandkids that are, that, that, that are young and haven't went to college yet, you know, so many times kids nowadays want to go to the college that's got the prettiest campus. Boy, the building. I hear this because we're from around here. If you've been to Virginia Tech, it's pretty. It's a pretty campus. I mean, the buildings are made out of that rock and all that, and it's, it's beautiful. But I've heard people say, I said, why'd you, why'd you decide to go to Virginia Tech? Them building is just a beautiful campus, and that town's beautiful. So you're going to spend more for an education because something's beautiful? You need to teach your kids and grandkids that's not exactly that important. It's very, very few fields that you go into that it really matters where you went to school. Now, if you want to be a Harvard professor, you probably would have to go to Harvard or they wouldn't let you be a professor there. But besides that, how many of you went to the doctor and said, all right, doc, before we do get, get into this thing, I, what, where'd you go to college? You don't care. You just know he's got the degree. I've never asked a dentist where they got their degree. I just know they got it. I, I, I hope they, I don't even ask to see it. I'm assuming that they're practicing because they have a degree. I may be going to the places that, that don't, but, but my insurance accepts them, so I'm assuming they've covered all that with them. I don't, but, 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 but we'll overpay for an education when you can get the same education for a lot less money. Number five, you've got to learn to live where debt's not an option. You've got you to learn to live where there's got to be another way. My water heater's out. I, there's got to be a way that I can get a water heater without putting it on my MasterCard. And you've got to figure this out. And here's the best example I can give you. If you had a child, and they say they had this illness, and let's say that you go to the doctor and they say, well, oh, we can take care of this. For $5,000, we can save their lives. But there's a few stipulations. We don't accept credit, and we don't accept money you've already saved. You've got to come up with $5,000 new dollars, and your kid's saved. Now, $5,000 is a lot of money for some people, right? But if the doctor told me that was my option for Haven, that Nissan truck be gone. I walk. Here's the $5,000. Fix my daughter. You got to take that kind of aggressiveness with debt. Well, I got to have a water heater and this don't work. Maybe I'll just sell some things that I never use anyway. We have so much stuff at our house. I didn't realize till we were moving. I really thought we, we, we really aren't hoarders. We really don't. We try to keep, get stuff and we try to get rid of it until I started packing. And I realized we got too much stuff. And so there's other ways to pay for stuff besides just swiping a card. Look in Proverbs again, chapter number 22. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. All I know is the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. And if you're borrowing money, you're servant to the lender. You're probably, no, they're my servant. Well, no, not really. They're the ones that's making these 10, 18% or whatever off of you. You know, they're your master. You, you might have to go work a job you don't like because you owe someone a debt that you can't pay. Any, and so, you're, you, you, you know, I, I can't go to my kids' ball game because i got to work tonight because i got to pay these bills. If you think about it, it's your master. It's your master. And so you've got to learn to live where debt's not an option. Now go to Proverbs chapter number 6. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thine hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. All right. So does anybody, everybody understand what's going on here? This is basically, you, you know, your surety to that friend, or someone has signed a note for you, or someone's done something for you, or you, you've got a debt you can't pay. This is God's formula for taking care of it. And I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to stop it, and I'm going to give you my version of it. First of all, it says, do this now. 
So if you, let's, let's say you got a, 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 a vehicle you, that, you, that you just got to get paid off. It's just killing you. The payments are killing you. What do you do? Do this now. Not next year, not two years from now, right t- tonight. Do this. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come to the hand to thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and from a bird, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now let's back up. Do this now. Go to verse four. Verse four. Give not sleep to thine eyelids. Go to work. Get a second job. Get a third job. Go, go to work. Give no sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. You can, you can in a short period of time, I'm not going to pick out names because I don't want to embarrass people, but someone that took our class took it on a night job after working a full-time day job to pay off debt, to get out of debt, and they just, boom, and they nailed it. And I don't want to say what they did because then you'll know who it is, but they know who they are. And they worked hard, and they took care of it. Deliver thyself as a robe from the hand of the hunter. Think about that. The deer's out in the field. They use the, he, talks, he uses the gazelle in the, in, in the lesson. The gazelle's out in the deer just doing what gazelles do. And what's coming up? When you watch the Discovery Channel, what's there? They don't just video the gazelles. It's not that interesting. But they video the cheetahs and the lions, but they're creeping up on you. And then, boom, they take off and they're after you. Now, that lion, that cheetah, they're trying to get a, a lunch. They're trying to get a little snack. I always mess with Haven. Haven's always afraid a bear's going to get her. And I said, well, you just be a little snack for the bear. It won't be bad. But there, she goes, what do I do if I see a, de- a, a bear, Dad? I said, you need to run. I said, push Isaac down and run. And, um, and so, so the, the line, the credit card company, the Ford Motor Credit, they're just trying to get a little more money off of you. But you need to run like your life depends on it. This deer, this, this gazelle, he's not trying to get a snack. He's trying to survive. And so you've got to work hard. You've got to go. You've got to give it all you have. Take on a second job. Sell some stuff. Do whatever you can to get where debt is not going to be an option. And you've got to have that intensity about it. You, you, you can't just, you don't, you don't just wander into it. You don't just overnight say, wow, I just racked up a lot of debt. It took time. My student loans, it took a little time for me to rack that up. And then I racked up a car loan on top of that. Then I racked credit cards. I didn't just, overnight, it took a while. So I can't just wave a wand and boom, it's over. I, you have to get intense about it. And then the last one, number six it, it'll t- it teaches you how to save and invest. And in Matthew chapter, we won't read it for time's sake, but in Matthew, you read about the, the, the parable about the, 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 the servants, the one he gave five talents to, one he gave two, one he gave one. When he came back, the one with five had invested and said, here's your five and five more. And the next one said, here's your two and two more. And the one, the one that got one says, I knew how much you cared about this. So I, I hid it in the earth, and I kept it, and here's your one. And you know what the master did? He took that one, he said, you can do a very good job. And he went over and gave it to the guy that had five. Now, in today's time, in, in America, in, in, in our, oh, that's not fair. In our socialistic society, that's not fair. But that's what happened. That's the parable. That's the way I read it. Here's the thing, and there's a lot more about this class and I'll be glad, I mean, I've been answering questions. Y'all, we, I've had people message me on Facebook that, that I don't even know who they are, and they don't go to this church, and they want to take this class. It's a good avenue to get people to our church. But I'm telling you, it's the best thing that me and my wife did for our marriage. It's the best thing. Because money problems and money fights is the number one cause of divorce in America. And so it's, you know, if, if that's you and you're struggling and you love your spouse, what can I do to, to love them more? You need, you know, you need, to, you need to start handling money God's way. And if we're good stewards of what God's given us, just not only this topic, but any topic, your children or anything, if you're good stewards, 
then God will bless you. And I'm not preaching a prosperity. You put $100 in and there'll be 200 when you get home. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I know that Isaac has some responsibilities at home. And he started out when he was little, some of his responsibilities was to take a duster and dust off the table. And when he got a little better with that, we let him do something else. And we let him do something else. Now I let him operate heavy equipment. Can you believe that? And I'm getting ready to let him start driving our vehicles. Can you believe that? But I'm telling you, if he gets behind that wheel and he wrecks that car, he's not going to drive the other one. Because we, you know, we got to have one that will still run. And, and so if he is faithful in the little things, I'll give him more to do. If you're faithful in the things God's given you, maybe it's the ministry you're in, he'll give you more. Maybe it's in your marriage. If you're faithful in your marriage, he'll give you a better marriage. Maybe if it's your kids. If you're faithful, steward with your kids, you'll have a better relationship with your kids. Or in this case, if it has to do with your personal finances, God will give you more if you're a faithful steward. And so I hope this has been a help. I hope this has answered a lot of questions. I, I, I took a, a list of questions that I've been asked and tried to go through. Like I said, it's nine weeks. It teaches a whole lot more than just these few things. But, but you know, I go back to my original statement. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's way, what would happen to the kingdom of God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord. I know this isn't the most popular thing to sit and listen to, Lord. But God, I just pray that it be a help to those that are watching online and the people that are here. And Lord, we just thank you um, for all the different avenues we have to minister to people. Lord, there's a lot of ways to minister to people. Financial Peace University is just one way. And I know it's, there's others, Lord. And they're just as important. This is just the one that you've uh, laid on my heart, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, use this course to help people. Lord, I've seen personally lives changed that's went through this course. And people that took a new way of looking at things and, and it changed their lives. And Lord, I'm so thankful that if we're faithful in anything, that you'll bless us, Lord. It's not just financial, Lord. There's other ways. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for that. We pray that you would be with us now as we pray over our prayer requests, Lord, and take us home safely and bring us back, Lord, at the next appointed time. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.